Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't have a job to fight. And if I work tonight, I'm so tired tonight, I'll fall asleep when I'm home, when I'm and welcome back to Inside the Ropes and we're finally do- I can't believe the child inside me cannot believe that we are doing this but it's very exciting the Power Slam podcast has come to Inside the Ropes which means that if it's got Power Slam on the name you know who's involved it's the one and only Finn Martin I've I, I grew up reading his stuff and you know I would never have known the intricacies of the Montreal Screwjob had he not written Power Slam and um now, every week, we're going to bring you here on YouTube an exclusive podcast where we talk about some current wrestling, some past wrestling. But, Finn, thanks so much for coming on board. Thanks very much for having me, Kenny. It's great to be back on the air. This is my first modern current scene podcast in about four months. So, yeah, it feels like I've been gone forever. So I'm very pleased to be back. Thanks for having me. 
Of course, and um, a lot of people. I think that there's going to be kind of two two sets of of listeners here. There's going to be the listeners who love the magazine and remember it very fondly, and there's going to be listeners who are quite young and maybe never got to get the magazine when it was out. So I think that um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting for 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 both sides of it of people kind of getting to hear you talk and and your experiences and your knowledge and what you think about the the wrestling product now. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it as well. I mean, the thing is, you know, I did the magazine for 22 and a half years. It was Superstars of Wrestling for 30 months, and then it was Power Slam for exactly 20 years. Uh, closed the magazine in July 2014, uh, 20 years to the month after the first issue of Power Slam went out. Uh, but my way of looking at it is hopefully I'm still relevant. If I'm not relevant, why am I here? If I can't bring something to this podcast, I shouldn't be on it. So I'm here to me, Kenny, every podcast, you've got to prove yourself. You know, you've got to bring something interesting. You've got to bring something relevant. You've got to bring something original. And if you can't continue to do that, why are you doing the podcast? So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to analyzing what's going on now uh, and also talking about things that have happened previously as well in this podcast and in future podcasts. Yeah, for sure. So you're going to be able to get involved, and we're we're going to kind of tailor this podcast to you, the listener, in a way. So like, get in touch with us on on Twitter. Let us know what you like, what you want to see more of. So you can get me on Twitter at KennyMC1985. You can get Inside the Ropes, Inside underscore the Ropes, and where can we get you? You can get me on Finley Martin, uh, also Power Slam Online on Twitter. There you go. So just get us on one of those four, and we'll we'll pick it up. Um, so I guess just very quickly, because um, we'd, be, we'd be remiss to not get your opinion on it, because one of my favourite issues of Power Slam I would always get every every year would be the WrestleMania review on, on Power Slam. So I know that we can't go too far into with time and stuff, but just kind of summarily, what did you think of this year's WrestleMania? Because last year, obviously, was... A lot of people thought the show was a letdown last year in the end and kind of fell off a cliff halfway through. How do you think this year shaped up? Well, everyone thought it was too long, which, of course, it, I, think, I, think, I don't know who, apart from Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn, would have said that it, was, uh, it, was, it would disagree with that. I mean, the show was just grueling. I mean, it was last year as well. I mean, I understand why they do it, because they want to get everyone on the show. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's a big deal for the talent, of course. I mean, that's no exaggeration. Uh, it is a huge, huge thing for a WWE wrestler to have his or her WrestleMania moment and to be part of the show. And I think it really is seen as a snub if you're not on it. I mean, like for this year, I was, this year's WrestleMania, the uh, SmackDown tag team title was not defended, was it, Kenny? No, it was not. And I really felt sorry for all the people in that division uh, who were not participating in a match uh, for that title. Uh, and again, you know, if they'd included a match for that title, then the show would the show probably still be going on now. <laughs> you know, the show was too long. Um, there was some, you know, it, there was one of the matches that I thought was that really saddened me was the Triple H versus Seth Rollins match. They went in there with the perfect storyline. Seth Rollins had the knee injury. They worked the match where Triple H was uh, attacking the knee and then Rollins was selling the knee. I mean, it was not dissimilar to the famous Triple H versus Shawn Michaels match from SummerSlam 2002. Uh, we had Triple H working on Shawn Michaels' back. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the difference, of course, 
was that people were really into Triple H versus Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam 2002 and really believed that Shawn Michaels was in agonizing pain. And people at WrestleMania this year really weren't that bothered about Seth Rollins' knee injury. I felt like the crowd didn't really do its bit there in that match. I mean, the match wasn't really that intense. Um, I think it could have been better. But the crowd was so quiet almost until the very end when we had the spot where Seth Rollins knocked Triple H into Stephanie and Stephanie fell, who was stood on the ring apron, Stephanie fell off the ring apron and crashed through the table. I mean, that was, it was really only at that moment, which was just seconds before the finish, when the crowd came alive. Mm-hmm. So I really felt watching that, that the whole concept of selling and the whole concept of believability in pro wrestling uh, was lost. I mean, that, ma- uh, that match there, I thought really... I think if I was working for WWE, I would be asking myself a lot of questions as to why the audience reacted in that fashion to that match that had been built up over a period of many, many months and really should have worked. I mean, what do you think of that, Kenny? Yeah, no, no I, I, so I was I was in the stadium live and you're right, like, for whatever reason, it just wasn't clicking, you know, and I think that if you maybe shaved the first 10 minutes off of it, it might have been a little bit more intense and more kind of, you know, high octane straight away, but something about it just wasn't working. And there's was something that um, that Dave Meltzer had said not too long after WrestleMania, and I, I it was when he said it, I kind of thought, oh, you know, that that's interesting about, kind of similar to what you're saying about, you know, on paper, you've got the match, right? You've got the story, it's all set. Um, but what he was saying is, you know, those two guys should have been able to adapt to the crowd, and change on the fly to try and, you know, get the crowd more into it or whatever. And they, they seemed to just work the match that they had planned and not really, you know, deviate from that. And I wonder if that's kind of something that, you know, you suffer from. I mean, Triple H, he's known a little bit for that. You know, he'll do the match that he wants to do. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it was the big, it was one of the... I thought that the Seth Rollins injury he had actually helped his character. It gave people more sympathy towards him that I don't think was there before. Yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, do you think part of it is maybe, do people just not, are, is, is Seth Rollins just not a hugely popular babyface? Is that part of the problem? That could well be it. I mean, that could be it. I mean, if you want to roll the uh, the years back even further, Great American Bash 1990, Sting versus Ric Flair. I did say earlier that we will be talking about old stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sting had suffered the patella injury uh, in February of 1990, and then he came back to face Flair at the Great American Bash in July of 1990. And we had a similar storyline there, and it was huge success on the night. Uh, but yes, Sting was a very likable babyface at that point. And Rollins, yeah, he, I mean, he really isn't that likable. I mean, he was, he's tried since WrestleMania to sort of connect with the fans, uh, and admit that he was wrong to, uh, associate himself with the authority back in 2000. 14, wasn't it, when he turned on the shield? Mm -hmm. Um, So he's admitted that he was at fault doing that and he will never do it again, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I don't, he doesn't really strike me as that likable. And and if you're not that likable and you don't really have that babyface appeal, then you're fighting a losing battle. Um, It should have worked. The match should have worked. And and it didn't do. I mean, as for other matches at WrestleMania, um, the Shane McMahon versus AJ Styles match, I felt Shane 
did more wrestling in that than he's ever done. Some of it was really sloppy and scrappy and awkward, but I felt that they really persevered and put a, a pretty good match together there. I really enjoyed that. Um, the Hardy Boys return was probably the biggest reaction of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was some disappointment there, Kenny, in that they were coming back as their old WWE characters. Um, you know, I felt that, you know, the Hardy Boys, the Broken Gimmick, you know you brought Matt over last year. Yeah. I know you're a fan of the Broken Matt Hardy Gimmick. I mean, uh, <laughs> and uh, they brought him back as this, you know, so immediately like a nostalgia act. I mean, there was some, the, Matt was retaining some of his broken mannerisms, but very few. And when they've been doing interviews and matches, it's generally been the Hardy Boys of 2004, 2005 rather than 2016. Well, let, let me ask you this about because obviously the, the, the big the big question point about the Hardys is because I think when they came back at WrestleMania, you kind of you kind of can get away with it, you know. Because yeah. That first time, it's like, oh, it's the Hardys, and you know, you. I mean, I I remember I was sitting in my chair and the three times. So this is my my strategy. I'm going to give away to you about piss breaks at WrestleMania, right? So what right. I do is I wait for all. The, I love an entrance, right? That's one of my favourite things in wrestling is the entrances and the pomp and the circumstance. So I'll wait until the entrances have happened and the bell rings and then I'll go to the toilet at that point. So I'll maybe miss the first two, three minutes but then I'll be back for all the big stuff that's going to happen, right? That's kind of my my mindset. So the three tag teams come out and they're all there and I was about to get up and I turned to my friend and I said, you know, I'm going to wait just two more minutes just in case something happens here. And... um. And my friend was like, yeah, because you, you know if you go to the toilet now, something will happen. And then when the New Day came out, obviously, and introduced the Hardy, I was like, can you imagine if I had went to the toilet at that point and just missed <laughs> that whole thing? I, I would have never forgiven myself. But no, what I was going to ask you was, with the with the Hardys, you know, it's been reported a few times um, on the Wrestling Observer and things that, that WWE are trying to reach a deal with Anthem to get the gimmick. You know, you you obviously covered Vince McMahon and his company for over twenty years. Do you think that Vince McMahon would allow Matt Hardy to show shades of the gimmick on television if if he wasn't confident enough that they are going to get the gimmick and be able to use it in some form? Um, that's a tough question to answer. I mean, he I mean he is doing some of the mannerisms, but they haven't really acknowledged um, the old gimmick. The announcers have been instructed not to. And if you'd noticed, the Hardys have done very few interviews. So it's almost as if they don't want to show the hands. So it's almost as if maybe they are waiting. Maybe Vince is confident that he can get the in-writing rights to the gimmick. And then the Hardys will start doing lots of interviews. So they don't want to... Yeah, well, it's interesting uh, you say that because actually an interview came out last night, um, which I want to just uh, read a quick quote from. Uh, with the Hardys when they were in the UK and they were asked about the Matt was asked about the broken gimmick and he said this is great radio as I try and find the quote <laughs> um, but he was asked about you know would would we ever see uh, the broken gimmick in WWE because obviously fans are you know clamoring for it um, and he said um, that is ultimately the goal there are a couple of things we are working on now and yeah I think we'll get there I would love for that to happen I think that would be an amazing series of action figures with Broken Matt Brother Nero Senior Benjamin Queen Rebecca and King Maxwell yeah I mean it, it's really hard to know what's going to happen um, mm-hmm. I mean 
I believe that Matt did come up with that gimmick. I mean, I believe he did. Uh, I mean, that was just so far out there that it's hard for me to believe that TNA came up with it, but TNA claiming they did and who really knows who owns what. And it's obviously all got to be above board and legal before uh, WWE would use something like that on TV. And that's the way it should be. It all needs to be authorised and everything. I absolutely understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to see the Broken Hardys in WWE. Um, it's, 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 I've said it before, it's difficult to believe that Vince would allow Matt to go to the lengths that TNA did because it was so far out there um, that it would deviate too far from what WWE, you know, if you look at all the WWE characters, and this is a great flaw of WWE, is the character development. Characters just don't develop. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look, I was thinking about Bray Wyatt. I mean, it's nearly four years now since he's been on WWE TV, and that character has never really developed. It's never really gone anywhere. We don't really know much more about him than, than we did when on the day him and uh, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper arrived. So that's a thing about WWE. It's not really that into character development, which has been a source of frustration for fans and people like yourself and I, Kenny, for many, many years. Um, so would he say to Matt and Jeff Wright, just go out there and just do what you want. Just show us what you've got. Uh, entertain the people like you did in TNA. I, I'm, I'm not convinced that Vince would allow Matt and Jeff to go to those lengths, to go to those, uh, uh, those areas of, of, you know, outer space that Matt went to. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm, I think it would be a, uh, a reined-in version, even if they do get the rights to use that gimmick on WWE TV. I mean, I, th- I mean, I, I think the broken, the broken Hardys at half pelt would be more interesting than Nostalgia Hardys for sure. Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, do, just off the back of that though, something that's interesting to me is, um, you know, we could do a whole podcast, and we probably will at some point on Impact Wrestling and their just their you know, the baffling way that some things have happened for that company. But do you think that, like, the idea that, that TNA or Impact have sort of, you know, it's now gone public that they have that they had tried to kind of not give the Hardys the gimmick and, you know, the public perception is almost like TNA are not allowing the Hardys to use it. Yeah. When, when, when Impact are trying to rebrand, they're trying to get fans invested in them, don't they come across just a little bit like the bad guy here in this situation? Yeah, of course they do. Um, I mean, it's always a tricky thing because WWE has done this many, many times over the years. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of what happens in big time wrestling. Uh, and sometimes companies, if they uh, come across as nice guys, that can be misconstrued as a sign of weakness. Um, and WWE, you know, has done what TNA is apparently doing so many times before. I mean, remember back in 2005 when the Dudley boys came in and then they became Team 3D. Mm-hmm. And we had that ridiculous situation for years uh, when the uh, when Team 3D were in TNA where they weren't allowed to say, get the tables. It was that they had to lead the crowd in that chant because they weren't allowed to say it um, because WWE owned that intellectual property which it had purchased when it bought ECW and all its characters and trademarks and what have you 
uh, in bankruptcy court earlier in the decade. Mm -hmm. So this is exactly, WWE has done this so many times. So you're right, TNA sort of comes across as the villains by depriving fans uh, of this gimmick. Is, is the difference, though, because you're right, I mean, WWE have, have absolutely done this in the past, is the difference, though, that, like, WWE almost, they're big enough and they've got enough stuff that people like that, that you know, people maybe don't see them as the bad guys much, whereas with, whereas with Impact, they're kind of fighting a losing battle as it is. And then for this to be the one big thing that people are thinking about, is oh you're the guys that aren't letting the Hardys do the gimmick that they came up. Now I mean I don't I don't want to say too much, but you know I spent a fair amount of time with the Hardys in November December, and all I can tell you is it absolutely was them that created that gimmick. And, I, I, um, I'm convinced that's true as well. And, I'm convinced um, that's true. Yeah, I, I, there's just no way. And what's interesting is I spoke to Jeff Jarrett in a in an interview um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you know I, I I brought up the Hardys to him, and he. All he would say to me is, um, Jeff Hardy's a good guy. That's all he said about oh. that. So, you know, I guess that's his way of... And, but again, you know, it's kind of one of those things of, you know, they... And I actually tried to lead the, the interview in a positive direction. I was like, you know, so did you guys maybe not re-sign the Hardys because you wanted to go in a fresh direction? You know, that was an old regime. You want to go in a new regime. Um... But there's just this thing about it. They do kind of come across like the bad guys, and that's maybe not somewhere they want to be, especially when they're trying to rebuild uh, their fan base. I, guess. I would agree. I mean, I'm not quite sure what they hope to gain from this, or maybe a larger payout. I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, it would be nice if they came to an arrangement. Uh, I mean, WWE isn't going to pay over the odds because then the word will get round of how much they paid for this gimmick and then that will set precedent and that then creates a situation in future where they're paying out for things that they don't necessarily want to be paying out for. Um, so, I mean, who knows what's really going on here uh, and what figures people are talking about Um I would like to see the Broken Hardys or a version of them in WWE because the Hardys is this sort of nostalgia act. I mean, I'm still enjoying seeing them back in WWE because, I mean, they've been there, what is it, six, seven weeks now? And yep. they haven't been overexposed on TV. They haven't really done that much with them on television yet. Uh, I mean, they're still, they've still got it in the ring. Uh, Cesaro and Sheamus are an outstanding team for them to work with. I mean, a huge fan of the Cesaro and Sheamus team. The program's been really fun so far with them and the Hardys. I think it's been good matches, good story. Hardys haven't suffered from 50-50 booking yet, so, you know, it's been it's been decent. Absolutely. I mean, the Cesaro and Sheamus doing the heel turn after the match of Payback, that's given them a new purpose and that's presented them in a different light. So that's also, of course, fueled the feud with the Hardys and given that a new lease of life. So I'm still enjoying the Hardys in their current role. But three months from now, I'm not sure if I'll be saying that, or maybe even two months from now, because at the end of the day, it is a nostalgia thing, and nostalgia only... Re I mean, it has a very limited shelf life, let's face it. Well, yeah, because, you know, we could look no further than the Dudleys, who came back last... But then, you know, the difference, I think, because a lot of people have mentioned the Dudleys, um, you know, and, and when they came back to WWE, and I worked a little bit with, with Bubba uh, in WCPW, and I think as Bully Ray, he is absolutely... There's money potential there with him. Really I absolutely agree. I mean, I thought that was an amazing gimmick. He totally reinvented himself in 
2011, I think it was, he started that gimmick. Uh, got himself into amazing shape and just reinvented himself. I thought he would have he would have made an, an excellent opponent for John Cena uh, in WWE. Yeah, and, uh, and, and apparently th- there was plans to do the Billy Ray gimmick, and it just for whatever reason didn't happen. But I think that when you put and and I mean no offense to him, but when you put Devon in there, it's it's nostalgia. You know that's, it that's is. what it is. And I think the difference with the Hardys. Um, and what makes me think that we, we don't need to worry about them as much is that the Hardys are absolutely a current act in wrestling fans' minds. And but I, and I think that I think a lot of us are kind of enjoying the ride because we're hoping that it's going in the direction we all want it to, you know? Yeah. And what's interesting to me is kind of, you know, you were talking about uh, Team 3D when they were in TNA and leading the chance, and I think it was two weeks ago on, on Raw where... Matt Hardy was doing a promo. It was the Hardys on the top of the stage. And they said, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but it was something like, you know, there's only one thing for us to do with you. And then he just did the delete hand motion. Yeah. And then everybody did the check. So it almost feels to me like it's being played up more than they would if they weren't going to use it. Yeah, 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 maybe so. Yeah, well, maybe so. I mean, we're, we're just going to have to be patient on that one and, yeah. and see what happens. Uh, I mean, as you say, Hopefully, it will lead to a uh, you know the Hardys reverting to the act that they played so successfully in 2016 in TNA. But we shall see. We shall see. Uh, What's coming up this weekend is quite a busy weekend of wrestling, actually, <clears throat> for WWE. It's um, five nights on the trot. Um, we've, we're going to have the UK, the UK show, the NXT show, Backlash, Raw, and SmackDown. Uh, I'm curious to get your take on this. The ascension, I've been very vocal about my displeasure of it, but the ascension of the Jinder Mahal character uh, in, on SmackDown uh, post-WrestleMania season. He's going into the match with Randy Orton. Um, how do you feel about this programme? It seems to me to be a filler programme. It's a stopgap programme to give Randy Orton something to do. Um, it did amuse me on this week's SmackDown when JBL on commentary uh, brought up Leicester City winning the Premiership and saying that Jinder Mahal could do it as well. Oh, and right God. at the end of this week's SmackDown, when Jinder and the Singh brothers left Randy Orton laying, um, you know, JBL's saying, well, you could have a new champion on Sunday. Uh, what I found odd about it was that Jinder had been in essentially a jobber role, jobber to the stars role, before he suddenly won that number one contenders match on SmackDown, which I guess would be about four weeks ago now. Um, And then the win also was like a fluke win. Um, I mean, he hasn't really been permitted to score any um, credible wins on TV since over any big stars, although he has scored cheap wins. He beat AJ Styles on this week's SmackDown after Kevin Owens nailed uh, Styles in the knee uh, with his US title belt. I, I am allowed to say belt on this podcast, Anna Kenny. It's not championship. I'm allowed to use the word belt, right? We're, we're using belt for now, but that could change every week. You never know. <laughs> okay, keep, keep me posted on that. I'll wait for the directive um, <laughs> if anything changes. Yeah, so Kevin Owens smashed Styles in the knee with his US title belt. Uh, Styles fell to the mat, and then Jinder uh, hits the uh, Cobra Clutch Slam for the win. 
So that seemed like a pretty, it was, you know, it was a cheap win, but it was a win. The previous week, uh, Jinder Mahal had pinned Randy Orton in a tag team match. Uh, and then this week on SmackDown, he was booked to look strong. Um, you know, at the end of the show and on promos and things like that. But I mean, I, I can't imagine for a second that they're going to give him the title this Sunday. I just can't see it happening. Um, and it's, and it's just another sort of blatant reward for a guy getting himself in amazing physical shape. You know, Vince McMahon's obviously been, a, you know, he's a well known, I mean, his favorite wrestler in the seventies was superstar Graham. Everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vince, everyone knows that Vince likes physiques. This is obviously a reward to Jinder for getting himself in amazing shape, which he has. So it just seems to me to be a little bit of a filler program. Um, what, do you make, so, what, do you, what do you make of the gender thing? Um, I hate it with every fibre of my being. I just, <laughs> I, I just like because I know that there's the whole thing. But, oh, you know, he's, you know, we're gonna try and get into India, and it's like with a Canadian, you know, like that's that's your your plan. I think my my issue is. It's not that gender. It's not that I need gender Mahal to be Chris Benoit in the ring. It's not that. It's just I don't think he's very good at anything. I don't think he's very good at promos. I don't think he's very good in the ring. And um, and it's funny because we've got a few listeners actually from India, and um, and a couple of weeks I've had rants about you know oh god gender Mahal you know and all that sort of stuff, and people from India are getting in touch saying we don't like him either. Like don't, <laughs> you know don't think this is our fault. We don't want him. So it's it's funny to me that like you know because obviously WWE want to tap into this India market like that's something they want to try and do and, and TNA are trying to do the same thing with their tapings but I just don't know if a if a Canadian playing an Indian speaking what I've been told is like stock stock Punjabi like he's not he's he's just like saying stock phrases like he's not actually speaking it as if he knows it as a as as one of his languages that he speaks yeah um, I just don't know I, I I don't know who you're I don't know who you're um, like kind of who the audience is that's going to be enjoying this you know like because I feel like wrestling fans who generally watch the shows are going to be a bit bored by it and then Indian fans who are looking you know if Indian fans are looking for a kind of hometown hero or whatever, I don't know if they're going to see that in gender. So my fear, though, is the opposite to you. I, I'm scared he is going to win it. Um, that's my fear. And not for a long reign, but I could see them doing something where they go, you know, we want to get into India, let's put the belt on gender. And, you know, Vince has been known in the past when he has kind of storylines with sort of racial undertones that he goes quite far with them. Of well, he has done in the past. I mean, remember Mohammed Hassan from 2005. Oh, I, God. You know, so, I mean, the gender thing, I mean, you're right, possibly. I mean, it, is, it was unthinkable that gender would have won that multi-man match uh, in which he became the number one contender. It almost seemed like a, a Vince Russo moment, you know, where something was done for the sake of shocking the audience. We're doing this because they're not expecting it, not because it's the right thing for business or the right thing for the creative. We're doing this because it's our aim to shock. So, I mean, you're right. If Mahal leaves Backlash with the title, that would be another almost Russo-esque booking move. Uh, Look at these guys. No one gave them a chance and they can make a big spectacle of it. Uh, on SmackDown on Tuesday. I mean, looking at the ratings, uh, most viewers 
seem to agree with you, Kenny. I um, mean, SmackDown pulled, was it 2.175 million viewers this week? That was the lowest number of the year. So it does strike me as the audience is rejecting Mahal as a genuine top-of-the-card guy, and understandably so. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's interesting is that the, the, the brand split, I think a lot of people I've spoken to, and I, I feel the same way, that SmackDown has been the better show for the most part because, you know, A, it's shorter. Uh, the storylines feel like they're a little bit more thought through on SmackDown for the most part. Um, and I think that people were quite excited about the, the superstar shakeup. You know, SmackDown's getting Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and there's Nakamura, AJ Styles, Randy Orton. You know, they're a great roster of guys. And now the world title is being contended by... Jinder Mahal and as I like to call them the Bollywood Salsa Boys because you know so it's just not that compelling so I think that if you're you know if, you, if you're if you're channel surfing and and you watch WWE sort of sporadically or semi-regularly I don't know if you're going to stick around for Jinder Mahal yeah I absolutely get that I mean I don't think he's particularly uh, dynamic as a performer I don't think his perform- promos are very riveting I'm, I'm with you on that he just feels to me like a filler guy I mean, you know, we've got Backlash this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, then June 4th, we've got Extreme Rules, which is a Raw pay-per-view, and then on June 18th, we've got Money in the Bank, which is a SmackDown pay-per-view. So, I mean, these events are, are coming so frequently that I think this Backlash main event will be very quickly forgotten. Uh, one thing that I do like that WWE has done on SmackDown is that Rusev has said... You know, I, I, he's, he's basically announced his intentions to return at Money in the Bank, hasn't it, Rusev? Yeah, yeah. And he was supposed to be on SmackDown this week. He said last week he was going to come and confront Shane McMahon. And then he wasn't on the show and he sent a great tweet out. He just said, sorry, SmackDown, I went to see the NFL. <laughs> You're right, he wasn't on this week's SmackDown. I was just like, well, why? Why was that not on this week's SmackDown? Uh, and maybe they didn't want to dilute the issue, or maybe they didn't want people thinking, hmm, why isn't this guy challenging Randy Orton instead of Jinder Mahal? Which very much might have been the reaction from the crowd um, and also viewers at home. Um, but at least they're thinking ahead. Uh, maybe he'll be on next week's SmackDown and maybe he'll get the ball rolling uh, on potentially winning the Money in the Bank briefcase or possibly facing Randy Orton uh, at the Money in the Bank event. I mean, I think even if Orton loses the title to Jinder this Sunday, I think most would expect him to regain it on the following SmackDown or maybe at the following pay-per-view. I'm, I'm not really sure. Maybe doing the losing the title on the pay-per-view and winning it two days later, that would be a a little bit too similar to the Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho situation, which we've just seen. So they probably won't repeat that booking pattern. Yeah. But it's possible that Jinder will hold the title until, you know, Money in the Bank, June 18th. That could potentially happen. They'll think, well, it's only a few weeks. We can let him have the title. Not that much damage is going to be done. And then when we come to that pay-per-view, we can make Rusev, uh, Money in the Bank, winner and then people will believe in him as a serious challenger for Orton. I think they're doing the right thing with Rusev by removing him from TV so memories fade of his dismal win-loss record on Raw. So that's, to me, the right move. Yeah, I, I think Rusev, I mean, I'm, I'm biased because I think he's just great. You know, he's, I, I still laugh to this day about when uh, 
he he hit something with a TV monitor. I think it was at WrestleMania or something. Then he called himself the television champion on Twitter. <laughs> like he's just he's he's very dynamic, and um, I think he'd be. He, so I hope you're right. Um, very very quickly, Nakamura. Uh, obviously, backlash has been built around him. Uh, where do you he, th- he wasn't on this week's SmackDown either, was he? Or, no, or was, no, he wasn't. He wasn't, was he? No, no, he, he wasn't. They're really dragging out this debut for him. Um, but he's going to debut on, on Sunday against Dolph Ziggler. I think we'd probably all bet our house mortgage that Nakamura will be victorious. Yes. But um, where do you see his run going in WWE? Say just even going into maybe SummerSlam season. Just kind of take us through your mind of where you would see Nakamura being positioned. I think Dolph Ziggler in the WWE world is an excellent opponent for Nakamura in this match on in this match of Backlash. Nakamura's winning that match. It should be a good match. Dolph's a guy, obviously, takes huge bumps, so he's going to make Nakamura's offence look devastating. I mean, sometimes, actually, Dolph's bumps, that's why I qualified it by saying in the WWE world, sometimes Dolph's selling and bumps aren't that realistic, but that's kind of a WWE way of doing things, which almost sort of almost goes back to the comment I made earlier about Seth Rollins and Triple H, with that realism not being there. So the suspension of disbelief isn't there. Um, but, you know, that's something we'll talk about, I'm sure, in a future podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nakamura, yes, he's obviously going to beat Ziggler. I can see him as a challenger for Orton or Styles later in the year. And potentially Raw, or maybe they'll hold that off and give him the Raw Rumble win in 2018. Um, the fact that they're actually building the pay-per-view around him is a is such a encouraging sign. Um, I mean, he doesn't have that. You know, if you say they were bringing Tanahashi in, Tanahashi's got a terrific physique. Nakamura doesn't have that, uh, but Vince is overlooking that. Uh, he's obviously been sold on Nakamura's potential. The people. The main roster fans definitely like him. Um, they're being very smart with his promos. He's only, you know, obviously he's, he's still learning English, um, but they're putting him in a position where he's not being asked to do more than he can do comfortably. So that's really smart as well. I mean, I like the presentation of him in the, that it's slow. Um, I think Dolph and Nack will probably have the match of the night. Possibly Owens and Styles have the match of the night, but it'd be one of the two best matches of the night this Sunday. I can see him. I can see him doing very well. Uh, I'm very, very hopeful for him. Uh, I can see him in a big match at SummerSlam, uh, and then we'll see where he goes from there. But I could see him. Yeah, I could see him holding the title. If not, maybe not by the end of the year, but certainly early next year. Um, I mean, that's why a lot of people are not happy with what's going on in SmackDown at, at the moment. Obviously, I've just mentioned the ratings. Absolutely understandable. Jinder Mahal does not have that main event aura. He just doesn't have it. Um, but they are setting things up. I think we're going to have Styles versus Randy Orton at some point. I'm hoping Orton's going to do the heel turn again prior to that feud. Uh, we've got Rusev, who will be, a, I believe, a title contender possibly in the autumn. Uh, and then somehow Nakamura will fit in as well, possibly late, late, maybe December, January. But they've got like three credible guys after Mahal who will be contenders for the main title. So I think they are getting things set up pretty well. And I, I would be remiss before we kind of wrap things up on our initial episode here to mention the the, the subject that's you know hitting every wrestling fan in the world. Uh, dot 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 dive 
uh, which is the Rip Rogers uh, tweet that he'd sent out about the you know the indie wrestling matches where he somebody had sent it to Rip Rogers, um, and it was the kind of you know the the uh, the text where it was like you know every indie match is high spot high spot high spot handshake at the end you know hug and all that sort of stuff and Randy Orton had retweeted it kind of almost getting behind the fact that he doesn't like you know the kind of flippy stuff that happens in indie wrestling and all that sort of thing uh, Bubba Ray got involved by showing a picture of him diving onto some guys in ROH Orton then tweeted there's a tweeted back to Bubba there's a difference between young hungry guys diving and an old out of shape veteran falling <laughs> um, to which uh, to which Bubba then replied you know I've got nothing against you big fan of yours um, and then he put at the bottom falling over House of Horrors um, and then Randy Orton took to Twitter um, to for a, he'd clearly been having a drink <laughs> essentially was, was, was what had been happening um, where um, he he then set out an apology where he said, Sorry to the indie marks, indie guys and old timers who do dives that took offence. Just having a good time over a few drinks in Denmark, closing the Smackdown Live tour, while beating Raw and making over $5 million in the last 11 shows. Now I know that doesn't equate to, I know to some that doesn't equate to a standing room only crowd of 150 people paying $8 an armory somewhere, but in the big boy world, that's called putting asses in seats. So enjoy your flips, dives, and 20 superkicks per match to each their own. I will go dive back into my 13th title run and get ready to flip when my bank statement comes through this month. Dot, 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 headlock. So, <laughs> <coughs> um, what do you think of Randy Orton's sort of uh, sudden <laughs> problem with independent wrestling or... or or that particular style of indie wrestling, um, what did you make of that? Well, at least he didn't take a shot at the Young Bucks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> at least he was vague, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's next. Maybe that's next week. <laughs> um, well, that's the way Randy Orton's been brought up, isn't it, in the wrestling business? He's, he has his own style and he does what he does. Um, and it's, as he says, he's, he's, he's in his 13th title reign. Um, I mean, he's easy to criticise his Randy Orton because he's a guy who's, who is really good in the ring, but has never become the guy that everyone kind of hoped he would become. I mean, to me, um, his high point was in 2011 in the feud with Christian. And I thought that was when he was at his hottest. And I thought it was amazing that year. But there's been a lot of times in his career when Orton really hasn't sizzled. He hasn't really been, he hasn't shown that pizzazz or that, you know, dynamic uh, energy that a, a real main eventer has. And often it kind of feels like he's sort of coasting. Um, I think most people would agree with that, is that they sort of think that Orton always has something in reserve that he hasn't shown us yet. And it's like, come on, Randy, you're 37 now. You've been on WWE TV for 15 years show us show us that other bit or maybe he just doesn't have it maybe this is all he's got and if this is all he's got then is he venting his uh frustration at not being a more sort of exciting performer does he is this um is this something is this to conceal his some type of uh, problem with his self-esteem as a performer I, I, probably not um it's i, I don't really how do you, whose side do you take? It's like, it's like a political question really, isn't it, Kenny? Mm -hmm. 
whose side you want to take on this one. And, you know, I think Orton is a good performer. I think he could be more exciting. I think he could bring us more in his matches. And I'd like to see him on Sunday against Jinder Mahal really show uh, what he's got and make Jinder look as good as he's ever looked or better than he's ever looked. I think, I think that, that, that's going to be the problem on Sunday, I think, is because I don't think Randy Orton is going to take it to that next level. So Jinder has to try and do that. And I don't know if Jinder's capable of doing that. So I feel bad for Jinder in that I don't think Randy Orton... I, I th- part of my theory of why people are there's been a lot of negative reaction to Randy Orton from these kind of statements is that you know there's this great storyline with the Wyatts that they did for months and it just ended at WrestleMania in this really blah sort of match um, where Randy Orton disposed of Bray Wyatt so easily. You know? He did, I agree. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and with them beaming the images of the uh, was it the locusts and, yeah, and the yeah. maggots and it was just like what's this. And, and 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 I think a lot of people felt very let down by that being the end of that story. You know, it's like if you go see a movie and you're like, okay, you know, I'm watching this action movie and it's building up to a big, big action scene at the end, and I'm really excited. It's just one gunshot. That's the end. And, you're like, and then, oh. well, and then we had the House of Horrors match of Payback, which just seemed like it was tacked on at the end. I mean, what was very telling to me about that was that on on TV in the run up to it was, I still don't know what a House of Horrors match is, and like. There was no actual explanation of what House of Horrors match was until we watched the show. It was as if WWE hadn't come up with it either. <laughs> and then it was like this PG-rated version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre House that they had the match in, with all these you know weird sound effects and things. And I, I still mean, want to know how did Randy Orton beat Bray Wyatt's the arena? I can't understand it. Like- well. I, I mean, I didn't really understand the match. I mean, it was as if they felt right. Okay, it was as if they were in agreement with the, you there, Kenny. And like, oh, this we can't end this feud with this, you know, mediocre WrestleMania match. We've got to give the fans something else. And then the House of Horrors match was something that seemed to be very poorly thought through. Uh, and then it was presented, and I was watching. I was thinking, wow, it must have actually taken them taken them a very long time to set this all up and to film it and everything. And you know, it was like. Kevin Dunn's like, oh, I wish I was a horror horror movie director. There's mm-hmm. all these little horror movie cliches in it, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. And then they left and they went to the arena. And then Wyatt beats Orton in a non-title match after Jinder Mahal gets involved, which, again, was totally unsatisfying. It was no real conclusion to the feud, which begs the question, why did they even bother giving us this extra bit when the extra bit was no better than the... Than the match at WrestleMania, it, and in, in some some people would probably argue much worse. So yeah, it was all very odd. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. It's the Orton Wyatt feud should have it should have been a scorcher, and it just wasn't. And I, th- I think that what you, you know you've hit the nail on the head. What Ran- I think a lot of people see Randy Orton as a heel, to be honest. Yeah, I think that you know they should just go with that and, and do it. But um, I do want to just do one very quick mailbag question before we finish off this first episode. A great first episode here. Uh, Mark Tucker has a question for us. Um, he wants to know, Finn, what do you think about this one? Will Roman Reigns ever be the next guy? Will they ever have another Hogan Austin Cena level performer? And is Reigns going to be that guy, do you think? Uh, I mean... The, the persevering with him, and I was quite surprised when Braun Strowman defeated him at payback. I mean, I was like, wow, you know, Roman Reigns has just been the guy who's ended The Undertaker's 
career at WrestleMania. And by the way, to bring up WrestleMania from earlier, I was not really impressed with the Undertaker versus Roman Reigns match, and I'm glad that was the Undertaker's final match. I had to watch the finish twice uh, because I thought I'd missed something. Um, so, so yeah, I was not really that impressed by that match, uh, Undertaker. But, I mean, at least Undertaker appears to have accepted that it's over, so that's a good thing. So something good did come from it. As far as Roman Reigns being the guy, um, Vince is still going. He's still going with Reigns. As far as Vince is concerned, Reigns is his man. We're now, what is it? We're coming up to two and a half years into it now, aren't we? Since uh, Reigns won the uh, Royal Rumble uh, 2015, didn't it? Yeah, 2015. And then people were up in arms about that. So we're nearly two and a half years into the big Roman Reigns babyface push. So Vince is persevering with it. Obviously, he's got a lot of experience for this. John Cena was booed uh, really from about summer 2005 right up until he, he left at WrestleMania. Not, some, probably not as vociferously as Reigns has been, particularly on the post-WrestleMania Raw this year. I mean, that was heat. Like, you know, I probably have seen more heat than that, but that was like Jim Cornette in the ECW arena heat. I mean, that's something that you don't see very often, you know, mm -hmm. the level of hatred towards Roman Reigns on the post-WrestleMania Raw. I mean, it was something, again, I had to watch that a couple of times, like, wow, you know, and then he said, you know, this is my yard now. And it was as if, is this a heel turn? No, it wasn't a heel turn because he's still a babyface. So people are not accepting him as the top babyface. Vince is thinking these people are going to accept him as the top babyface. I'll make them accept him as the top baby face. You know, the Vince of 1997 or 1998 would have yielded to public demand probably in February of 2015 and done the heel turn and given people what they wanted. But the Vince of 2015, 16, 17, he's, he's, he's not interested in doing that. He's like, he's really stubborn. He's not, I'm going to make people like this guy. So... If they turn Roman Reigns heel, you know, this is obviously something that everyone's talked about. I've talked about this before on podcasts. If they turn Reigns heel, they could really have something. As a face, I'm not sure how he becomes bigger than he is now. What's your, what's your take on it, Kenny? Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. I think that, I think Roman's become a guy who people are genuinely sick of talking about. Like that—that's to the point it's got because everybody agrees, and you know, the, Triple H did a, a conference call recently where he said, you know, he is a heel. If you don't like him, just boom. And you're like, well, yeah, but like when you've watched WWE for so long, you know when they're trying to present somebody as a babyface to you. You you just know sure. how, how they're looking at it. And I think I said this in a podcast earlier on this week. Like my, my, the, the one thing I actually enjoy Roman Reigns matches. I think that he has good big time matches I actually thought that what he did with Undertaker at Wrestlemania was as passable as it was going to be I think he did a decent job for where he is in his career loved his matches with AJ Styles last year and his match with Brock Lesnar at Wrestlemania 31 like, yeah. I think he's a good wrestler I just think that I, I can't deal with another year of Roman Reigns coronation at Wrestlemania no, I mean, that, that is the word, isn't it? That he will face Lesnar in what will presumably be Lesnar's swan song because his contract exp uh, expires 
uh, in March, April of next year. It's hard for me to believe that WWE will re-sign him again at the current rate. Um, so, yeah, that's the word, isn't it, that Reigns will defeat Lesnar for the title at WrestleMania. Um, and, and if that's the case, that answers the question of, of where Vince's mind is. And it's, he's totally invested in Roman Reigns. And, and, and I think it's fine to have him at the top of the card. It's fine to have him around. But just this sort of like every year, WrestleMania has to finish with the Roman Reigns fireworks show. It's just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, um, abso- absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I think I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Reigns' ring work as well. I think he's, I think he's good in the ring. Uh, I enjoyed his matches with AJ Styles last year as well. This time last year, I thought they were terrific. Um, I mean, the match between uh, Reigns and Finn Balor on this week's Raw was, you know, because Reigns brings the atmosphere. Like Cena, he br- Cena brought the atmosphere because you've got that split crowd. So Reigns does bring the atmosphere. So that's something as well that Vince likes. And he's like, well, I don't care if they're, if they're booing him. You know, it's like, I'll make these people cheer him eventually. Uh, and if not, well, at least there's an atmosphere for his matches. And his matches feel big time because the fans are usually into them. And the match with Finn on Raw this week, I enjoyed that. I thought that was the best match on this week's Raw. I actually enjoyed the Miz-Dean uh, Ambrose match as well. I thought that was well done until we had the non-finish. But at least the non-finish was booked for a purpose, which was to set up a match at Extreme Rules. So that's forgivable. That's what TV's for at the end of the day, to set the pay-per-views up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as long as that's what you're doing, that's 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 that's, that's the name of the game. Get these pay-per-views uh, watched and network subscriptions and all that sort of stuff. Well, Finn, we've, I think we've done a good first run here. Good first job. Um, I agree, yes. So, um, But let, let, let people know where they can find you once again on Twitter if they want to... Uh, message you, send you a love letter, or uh, any of that good stuff. Yeah, at Finley Martin or at Power Slam Online. And yeah, please send questions in, and uh, Kenny and I would love to answer them. Yep, and now next week we're going to be doing a pre recorded one uh, because Finn's away on holiday, you lucky man. You yes, that's I'm actually having a staycation this year. Staycation, that means not leaving the country. But everyone already knew that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to having a week off. <laughs> uh, so next week we're going to be kind of covering some uh, topics from the past. But we'll be back on June the 2nd, where we'll talk about the fallout from Backlash and I guess the final um, predictions into Extreme Rules. So yes. there should be a lot to talk about that week. But um, thanks very much for listening, everyone, and we'll be back next week. If I'm set tonight Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.